It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hi, Sam. How are you today? Doing good, guys. How are you? We are great. Uh, Gordon and I were just talking. Uh, it's a it's uh, a year it's a year since uh, the Rudy Gobert Oklahoma City uh, moment, of course, that that seemingly changed the world. And we were just talking about how helpful it was that uh, you know you kept joining us throughout, even though there weren't games. There was still NBA and and handling this unique situation to culminate and coming back in a, in a bubble of all things and uh, you know the quarantine what you had to do to go to the bubble you know as you look at back on the past year Sam are you, are you just amazed at what we went through yeah for sure uh, you know I know it's cliche but it's true you know time flies um, everybody's got their, their recollections I, I read uh, a piece that I enjoyed today from Sarah Todd, uh, one of the jazz beat writers that does a good job, you know, looking back at, you know, that night in Oklahoma City for her and for the team and, you know, kind of enjoyed looking at different perspectives. For me, uh, you know, that night, March 11th of last year, I was at the Kings Pelicans game. It was the, the last game that I've been to that had, you know, fans. Um, the bubble was obviously a different thing, but but that's the last time I've been at a, in a normal NBA arena. And it seems like, you know, like it was maybe even more than a year ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what direction you guys have been taking the conversation, but for me, it's, it is wild to see how the NBA has navigated it, how, you know, society in general has, has tried to get through it. But, um, you know, it's, it's a memorable uh, day for sure. So Sam, for the jazz, uh, what has happened over this year has been particularly interesting. And considering the fact that, you know, everyone knows it was the Jazz, uh, Rudy Gobert's positive test that uh, stopped everything. And that created issues within the Jazz, uh, uh, immediate issues. They had to get home. And uh, issues between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and they had to work through that. And the Jazz just, you know, looking back over the past year, looking at where they were at that time and what they had to deal with and looking at them today, it's like they've gone from famine to feast. Yeah, for sure. In fact, um, and I, I need to read the whole interview. I, I read parts of it, but I thought today, you know, Donovan Mitchell talking to, to Tony Jones from our place was interesting. And, you know, admittedly, I'm subjective on this, but we've talked several times in the past about the story that we wrote on the situation about 11 months ago. And, and to have Donovan in this interview kind of, you know, and kind of analyze and look in the mirror about the fact that, you know, when the narrative became that this group might not be able to stay together because of the divide that this whole situation had caused and all the other stuff that had been going on, that it, it, it kind of, you know, almost inspired them to, uh, to kind of work even harder to, to make it work. And that sounds like a good enough kind of narrative or, or a story on its own. The part that I've said this before to you guys, but the part that blows me away even more is that they were able to, to keep the momentum going in the right direction after the playoff loss. You know what I mean? It's, it's one thing if you, if you kind of surge at the end of the season, and, you know, and you're trying to prove everybody wrong at that point, but then, 
you know, to to call a spade a spade, like when you fall on your face in the kind of way that they did, um, you know, but then retool yet again and then take it to the next level, that's pretty impressive stuff. Sam Amick with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Um, Sam, let's talk about the second half of the year with the Utah Jazz. And Gordon and I have talked uh, a bunch lately about realistic expectations and, uh, you know, establishing a bar that is is uh, realistic. And uh, I want to ask you, do you think it's, it's – I've said realistic about 19 times now, but is it realistic to expect them to hold on to the number one seed? Uh, I don't know if realistic is the word I would choose. Like, is it – is it possible? Is it likely? It's one of those two things, you know, like, sure. I, I think so. They, they stumbled a bit before the break. Um, you know, that, that really memorable game against Philly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're capable, you know, and then you look around and I think the Clippers are going to probably surge in the second half. Uh, the Lakers, I don't know about, they got injury stuff, you know, Phoenix, I, I don't know what to think of, you know, how real is this, how, how much of a misnomer is it? But if I was handicapping things, I I would probably pick Utah. If you if you kind of force me to to pick one team that would be number one in the West, you know, based on what I've seen, there's just no reason to think they can't do it. Uh, Sam, you don't root for teams one way or the other. I mean, we we know that. But as a man who has covered the NBA for so long. Do you enjoy it when new teams make pro- or not new teams, but teams make progress the way the Jazz have this year, the way the Suns have? Is this a good thing, or do you think that writers in general around the country look at it and say, "Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's still going to be the Lakers. It's still going to be you know the teams <laughs> that are traditionally in that position." No, I mean selfishly, I like it. I like it. <laughs> There's a direct correlation for me between, you know, do I like a development and what are my personal relationships with the more more important people in that program? Meaning, like, because I had gotten to know some of their people fairly well, you know, when it comes to the front office and the coaching staff, you know, and, and down to Donovan and Rudy and Joe Ingles, people like that, I then kind of feel like, oh, this is great for, quote-unquote, for me because I can, I think I'll have a decent ability to, to tell their stories to a bigger audience because they are playing better. So, you know, and not to mention, you know, a shout out to to Derek Arduino and the Jazz PR staff where it's like a a small market PR staff like theirs that does a good job. As a writer, it's it's easier to get good work done in that environment than it is in an L.A. or a New York uh, because of the, the, the size of the market and the number of media folks trying to tell those stories and, and there's this kind of unofficial thing where it's like if you if you didn't jump on or at least establish some relationships until they were the number one seed in the West, you're probably not going to get as far, uh, if that makes sense, you know. Um, I mean, with the Jazz, I think back to, and this was kind of just luck, but when I went to Hawaii, and, and full disclosure, I was there for the Lakers, but like when Kobe had his last training camp with the Lakers in Hawaii and the Jazz were there, you know, getting time you know, on the islands with jazz people was valuable. Um, you know, staying a little bit extra long during a playoff series and, and trying to uh, to get to know certain people better. You know, that comes into play with what we do. So, no, I mean, I this individual story, I like it a lot. I mean, I like I've said a million times, I, I, I think highly of a lot of the people there. 
and uh, and it's a fun brand of basketball to watch. I mean, I am an absolute sucker for that San Antonio Spurs, you know, kind of good shot to great shot offense and a defensive identity like they have. I think Rudy's one of the most interesting and, and entertaining players to watch because of how unique he is. Obviously, Donovan's explosive and, and very talented. So, yeah, I, I like, you know, everything they have going right now. Speaking of the Spurs, LaMarcus Aldridge looks like his reign uh, there is over. Does he have enough left in the tank to help another team uh, this year? Um, yeah, I think he could help. I, I just wonder, I've always liked LaMarcus, but he de- he has seemed to struggle with, and he's certainly not the first guy to be like this, but he's always you know, kind of had that air about him like, like he – expected to be a, a full-time starter until he was 42 years old. You know what I mean? And, and when he got moved to the bench recently, or to come off the bench in a reserve role, when Jakob Pertl started getting his uh, his starting spot with the Spurs, I think that was kind of the beginning of the end for him in San Antonio. But if he can embrace the, the six-man type role, I think he could be productive. I mean, we see what Carmelo Anthony's, for the most part, been able to do out in Portland, um, but so much of that role, you know, starts with the player's willingness to buy into it, and you know that that to me is the question. If you went to a contender, I don't know where he's going to land. I, I would kind of love to see him go back to Portland, um, but you know whether it's there or the LA teams or you know wherever it might be, maybe Miami, something like that. Um, you know, I think he could be good. Uh, he's you know he's still averaging around 14 points and actually shot the three ball more this season than he had in the past. I think he's always going to have that mid-range game. So I think it could help. It's not a, a game changer, but who knows? He could he could win you a playoff game. Sam, do you have a favorite for Coach of the Year? Are you in on the the Quinn Snyder thing, or are you think about Tom Thibodeau or somebody else? Yeah, I mean, top of mind, like right when Gordon, right, right, like the, the minute that you said Coach of the Year, you know, my brain went straight to Quinn. So I think that's probably pretty telling. Um, Tom, you know, Tibbs gets consideration for sure, but there's part of me that feels like, you know, the, the Knicks have kind of gone all in on, like the, some of their young guys have progressed, and I'm not trying to say that, that they don't have a foundation at all, but, you know, having Julius Randle kind of get loose and then, you know, playing Derrick Rose big minutes and, and leaning into some vets that, that get you over the top, you know, to me, it's that's not in the same ballpark as as what Utah has done. Um, I think Doc Rivers, honestly, should be in the running. Uh, I think he's done a nice job with Philly. I mean, if they held on to the top spot in the East, I think he's going to get a lot of votes because it's you know the way that Embiid has been used is different than it has been in the past, and he's he brought some good stuff out of some of their guys. So, um, trying to think who else. I mean, you know, I, I think Monty, Monty that, Williams. Oh yeah, my goodness! Thank you for saving me there. Uh, yeah, Monty would be on. Monty's got to be on the short list. And honestly, I think Quinn and Monty—that would be a tight race for me at this point, because um, I understand that they added Chris Paul and he's a Hall of Famer and a, a you know a very respected leader. But you know, it's one thing like the Suns just needed to to get into the playoffs to make it worth it this year. Um, that would have been progress for their for their group, but to be up there, I mean, I mean, I don't have the standings in front of me, but I think they're only two games in the loss column behind the Jazz, which is 
unreal. So if that kind of pace continued, then you know I could see Monty winning the award. Yeah, two and a half behind the Jazz at twenty four and eleven. The Jazz at uh, at twenty seven and nine, and I, I certainly would not have predicted that. Um, Sam, the trade trade deadline is coming up March twenty fifth, and I've seen a couple of rumors out there. PJ Tucker is the name I keep seeing, but are we going to see any big moves? Do you think before the the deadline? I mean, I think we'll probably have a, a fair amount of movement among you know mid level players. I I, I kind of wrote a few days ago about how, for the most part, the bigger names that get bandied about, you know, you, you for now you're hearing that they're not going to go anywhere. Like, you know, Zach Levine's a guy that teams would love to get their hands on. The Bulls are, you know, unless you give them every draft that you have until all of eternity, he's not going anywhere. Um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is a guy that we're going to be monitoring for the next year or so, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. So I don't know about big names. Um, it's going to be the P.J. Tuckers. You know, I wrote a bit about everybody from Victor Oladipo. I mean, I think Vic could be the biggest name to be on the move. Um, the Rockets, you know, he was part of that James Harden trade with Brooklyn, and they seemed excited to have him and that they wanted to potentially hold on to him because he's going to be a free agent this summer. But the problem now is, I mean, they've lost 13 games in a row. Vic has only played in seven of those, but they, uh, ESPN reported recently that they had offered – Oladipo an extension, two years, I think $45 million, and he turned it down, which is not that surprising because you can get bigger money on the open market, but it, it now becomes a situation where if the Rockets don't want to lose him for nothing, uh, then now is the time to trade him because I think he's going to have a lot of interest this summer. So, you know, he's a name to watch. Kyle Lowry is one that I actually uh, – I don't know, I'm torn on because I kind of wrote about how a lot of executives think that Kyle is going to wind up staying put in Toronto because of the size of his contract. He, he's an expiring deal, but he's owed about $30.5 million. And so, yeah, he could help a team. And, and Philadelphia is the one that is, is most often connected to him. But that's a lot of money to match, you know. And so um, I think, you know, some names are going to be on the move, but. I think there's going to be far more buyers than there are sellers because the play-in tournament changes that landscape where now you have, you know, 20 teams having a crack at the playoffs instead of 16. And that means that, you know, the, the hope um, just goes deeper into the standings and, and you only have a couple teams that are, that are willing to go the other way and kind of give up on the season. So, Sam, forgive my ignorance on this, but has there been any update on the condition of Anthony Davis or when his return will be? Uh, no, forgive me for not having the update for you, Gordon. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, coming out of the break, I, I don't know his status. Uh, so I actually had that thought when I mentioned the Lakers earlier. I need to look that up. But they, uh, you know, they struggled without him. And I actually yeah. I thought it really hurt. LeBron's MVP candidacy because I like I had just written a piece ranking the MVP candidates and and, and kind of like had him at the number one spot like by the skin of his teeth and if I had to do it today I think I'd have him beat in that number one spot because LeBron and you know and, and the you know they they didn't have Dennis Schroeder for a while too but you know they struggled going into the break and, and AD obviously is incredibly important. I would guess they're Sam. not in a hurry to rush him back, though, right, Sam? They're yeah. they're probably not worried about seed. I would guess. Uh, I don't know. I mean, 
you know, they got to be a little bit careful. Again, without the standings in front of me, you know, you need to you need to have home court for as long as possible. Um, you, you know, especially when honestly, I, I think there's a chance that depending on how things go in, in the world at large, you know, that a lot of these teams might be looking at, at fans and a good amount of fans, especially deeper in the playoffs. If if the vaccine numbers, you know, increase quickly like they're supposed to. Um, I mean, home court is going to matter. You know, the Jazz, obviously, they got more fans in their building than anybody right now. So you're already kind of seeing, I mean, independent of the discussion of safety and what's right and what's not right, you know, as far as the sports side of it, you know, the the Jazz are already enjoying a a bit of a home court advantage. So I think it matters, but I don't think they're going to go all out for for the, the regular season record. Jake, you know this because we talked with David Locke, the voice of the Jazz uh, radio voice yesterday, Sam, and he, he his prediction was that the Lakers could slide from third all the way down to six. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. There is, there's a lot of clutter in the middle, and there's other, you know, there's teams that, that could surge too. You know, I could see Dallas getting on a run. I could see New Orleans getting on a run. You know, everybody's been – overlooking Memphis and, and the fact that they're, uh, I think, a shade above 500 is pretty impressive. You know, even San Antonio, where focus on the Aldridge situation, but he wasn't really doing much for him recently anyway, and, you know, that's a team that's much better than we thought they were going to be. So, um, yeah, if the Lakers aren't careful, the potential is certainly there for them to slide. Sam, as always, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Sam. Our friend Sam Amick from uh, The Athletic, senior NBA writer, and joins us on Thursdays. Jake, who do you think uh, who do you think is mastering the uh, the PlayStation, the new PlayStation, in the uh, Amick uh, household? Not Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I think We're... it might be the Amick boys. I think they might probably have that uh, market cornered. We were talking earlier about uh, a certain new jazz edition, his age, and how you can figure out uh, how old somebody is, if you can determine it. And uh, I think Austin found a uh, a list of questions that will pretty much determine one's age. Uh, and wasn't, uh, I don't know if, uh, if ability at uh, video games was one of the questions or, uh, or if it was just technology, but. Uh, one of the, one of the questions was about technology here. We have a minute. We can talk about this for a second. Cause you were, you were talking about determining uh, as you explained there, determining somebody's age is there a way like a tree. And uh, Austin found <laughs> and you this. said, no, you can't cut somebody no, can't in half cut, and no. count the rings yeah. around the trunk. So asked Austin, Having a day. Austin uh, found I'm this, a cold worse. <laughs> found this uh, <laughs> blog in Elite Daily, whatever that is. But this this appears to be ways. Let me let me get the headline here. 15 ways to find out his age without direct directly asking about it. And, and this comes from like a a single female perspective who's. It's like a cosmo- cosmopolitan quiz of sorts. So how to okay. if the guy says he's 35, but you suspect he's really 55, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay. All right. What and, are the and, and frankly, I'm, I'm extremely uncomfortable with this blog and the lengths it, it goes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Step one, stalk him on social media. Mm. And uh, says, long and short, if he's shy about his age online, it might mean he's 
on uh, the older side. Okay. All right. I don't know if Urson fits that or not. Hey, he's on he's on Twitter at Urson. So. Okay. All right. Uh, ask mutual friends. Uh, this says during your social media stalking, you may have found out that you have mutual friends. If you're close with any of them, shoot them a message and ask them what they know about him and his age. Your close friends should have your back. Well, in this case, do you have to contact people in Turkey or what was the other country? Justin Zanuck used to be his agent. There you go. That's you could start there. Yeah. Okay. Or Uzbekistan, right? Uzbekistan. Uz- yeah. Uzbekistan is where he's allegedly from. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. Step three, check LinkedIn, which I don't know how that's different from stock on social media, but it has its own step. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Google him. Uh, it says he may not be a social media kind of guy. While this makes finding out his age much more difficult, it doesn't mean that all hope is lost. The almighty Google could have some answers. Mm. Uh, well, you know, if you find it on Google, it must be true, right? How about How about this? Number five, search public records and data. That's five. Yeah, that's. Wouldn't that, that be first? I don't. And last. But but are you are you getting this that this is this is quite thorough, quite <laughs> quite. That's thorough. kind of creepy. They're stooping around somebody's background like that. Well, isn't it? Like, what are you trying to hide? This one, <laughs> this one is 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 also ridiculous. Number six, analyze his name. There are, uh, there's a lot more than you think in a name. In fact, you may actually be able to tell how old he is just by looking at name data. Uh, if his name is Marshall, he may be in his late 30s, given that the time that was uh, that name was popular. If his name is Fred, he's probably on the older side. See, I just had a nephew born last year. His name's Marshall. Yeah, that is a little tricky, but in general, I guess it, it may be a hint. You're a 28-year-old Walter? Okay. Okay, <laughs> next, bring up technology. We alluded to that earlier. You know, if he still has a rotary phone, he's probably old. How about this? Uh, discuss school memories. Shyly bringing up school is one of the easiest ways to get to know his age. He may, actually, he may divulge what college was like with no computers or how drunk he got his freshman year and uh, orientation a few years ago. Whoops. Drive-ins were fun. <laughs> yeah, some of these blind like, wow, the the whole Kent State affair really shook us up at our in our dorm. Might be older. Uh, you had to go there, didn't you? Ask about his friends. Number nine, uh, ten. Ask about his favorite music. So if he brings up that guy we talked about in the first segment, <laughs> he likes Bruce Hornsby. Then he might not ask about. By the his, way. How's that poll going? Awesome. Not well for you, friend. What? That's uh, not true. It is true. Number like, 11, ask about his health insurance. Because that what? just comes up all the time. If he mentions Medicare, he's probably upwards of 65. You don't say. Hey, uh, what, is there, <laughs> if you, you find out, so, if, if you find out his social security number, not that Urson uh, would have one, I, you know, I don't know how that works, but, uh, isn't that the aren't those numbers don't they weren't they assigned in certain years that you could track i guess real quick here the rest of the list number 12 talk politics number 13 <laughs> ask about his parents <laughs> <laughs> so are your are your parents alive <laughs> yeah they, they cross the plains have you purchased a cemetery plot uh, complain about your own age hmm. 
I don't know how that's going to get anything accomplished. Um, <laughs> it says here, a great way to indirectly find out his age is to complain about your own age. Depending on what you're complaining about, he may say something like, right, we're getting so old. Or just wait until you turn 50. <laughs> I mean 30. <laughs> and then finally, number 15, and uh, this one might be the most effective. Just ask. Fifteen to get to fifteen that? steps. Do you think the author was like, "Oh, I gotta have a 15th. You know, <laughs> what can I put? You know, I've been stalking you online. I've been uh, 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 collecting doing, your trash, doing shifts outside in your bushes, and I thought, you know what? Maybe I should just ask you, how yeah, old are it's you? So crazy, it just <laughs> might work. Why is that step fifteen? I'm telling you, I, I think the the way to get to the bottom of it, because if someone has been perpetrating a lie all these years. I imagine that maybe talking to his his childhood friends might be the best way to do it. Does he read oh, the obituaries? Man. All right, let's get. No, out. ask his friend. Ask his friends. His friends know he he's bound to have slipped up and told someone the truth. More big show coming up straight ahead. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone.